Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 145 of Fun With Cars for coverage of the Brazilian Grand Prix in Sao Paulo, Brazil, I believe it is. Interlagos, between lakes. I'm Robin Warner. I am Jim Lau, and yeah, also with the Autodromo de uh, with Carlos Pache. Oh, yes. It's got, it's got a lot Duh. of names. This, this place is a place of many names. Yes. Um, so the season finale for 2013 Formula One, dude, that is uh, that is a wrap, man. It, it, is... it happened, and we were here to tell the tale. Yes, we watched this one live because it's on one of the better time, uh, you know, timings for us. Um, we, you know, not, not quite as awesome as the U.S., although this worked out pretty well. Kind of a late morning start for us. It, yeah, uh, totally was, was just lovely. Um, so the, we won't do a complete sort of season recap this show. That's next show. It will be a postseason update, as always. But uh, Because we just love talking. Well, because, well we love spreadsheets. and We you know, do love spreadsheets. And when we look at spreadsheets while we talk, it's even better. It's really just the best of both worlds. Uh, but, okay, so Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> oh, well, no. I was going to start with what I thought was the most important news. Oh. Yeah. What's that? Well, you and I don't know what we're going to get for our Brazilian lunch slash dinner yet. Yeah. That's, that's, that's unknown. That's I've, still a mystery. You know what we have not yet accomplished? is a proper fish and chips from this year because the timing was all jacked oh, up for Silverstone. Oh, my goodness so gracious. we may have to do like a in honor of Red Bull winning everything and being based in England and England is fish and chips. I mean, we could, we could construct this one way or another. This is why this man, this is why my co-host is the most brilliant co-host to have. This, this you, man, man is a genius. Doesn't that sound amazing, though? It does sound quite good. All right, so now that that mystery is solved, we can talk about the race. Yes, oh, Sebastian Vettel. Right, so he, he Vettled it yet again. Um, there was some drama, though. That, that uh, second pit stop was way crazy. Uh, well, two points of drama. Uh, Sebastian Vettel did not lead the first lap of this race. Uh, one Nico Rosberg did. Yeah, I'm trying to think where, because I guess it was in, he, so technically he crossed the line, you know, he started in the lead, of course, on pole, and then lost lead in, like, turn one. Rosberg had a much better start and got yeah. around him, and uh, and Hamilton was right there as well. I mean, it was really, you know, really just poor start for... Well, uh, you know, Vettel Vettled it, Weber Webbered it. I right. mean, Nico started second. Nico was alongside yeah. in row one, and because of all the rain and everything else, uh, the traditional handicap of being on the inside lane was not there. So Nico could get off just as aggressively, if not more so clearly, than Vettel and had a great start and went in the lead. I'm pretty sure he held that for one full registered lap. Yeah, I think it was into turn one on lap two that uh, he got it back. So, yeah, there was actually technically a lap that Sebastian Vettel didn't lead. Breaking news, <laughs> folks! <Whoa>. Wow! <laughs> uh, but then, uh, but yeah, then the, the craziness was in the pit stop then when Vettel came in. And, of course, their pit in uh, their pit box was the first one you arrive to when you get into the pit lane. So there's very, very little notice from um, the driver saying, oh, I'm going to come in on track. Um, and, and usually, of course, the team, it's all planned in advance. And the team talks to the driver and says, okay, we're going to box in three laps and whatever. And they all know it. This time, it seemed like either some confusion or, or miscommunication or something. Yeah. But uh, Vettel Someone arrived said, in, a, in a pit box that was not ready for him um, and that they got the tires off the car very quickly and had no tires to put on. Um, that eventually, Well, they had three. Well, yeah, and then the right front took a little while to come out of the garage yes. and, uh, and do that. Uh, and then, then Weber coming in directly behind him, which you don't think they would have wanted to do anyway. Why stack them when they're that close? It seems like they probably would have planned to have them offset um, from each other. But It almost seemed as if, uh, of course, this is just us guessing, that they expected Weber to come in first and Vettel a lap later. Right. And it ended up being inverted, which, you know... That must be someone else's fault, not Vettel's. Couldn't have been Vettel's. It's probably Mark's fault. It must have been Mark Weber's fault for not coming in sooner 
than Vettel coming in off the cuff. But so that was looking like, oh Mark. my gosh, there's this there's this huge problem in the pits. You know, this could be what loses Vettel the lead, and maybe this is whole big challenge. No, <laughs> no, no, because Mark Webber was right behind him. He was one of the close competitors, and then Alonso. Well, pitted, he was second. You know, pitted on that same lap, and he was the other guy. You know, those the were the only, possibilities. Yeah, the only other one was Fernando right. Alonso to actually have any kind of challenge for the race win. And, of course, that was distant. Behind Alonzo ended up being um, Jensen Button in fourth, and that was more than 20 seconds behind Alonzo. So that was that was the one and only moment of, oh, oh no, it's fine. Yeah, because yeah, because Rosberg, of course, started brilliantly and then just faded from there. Just the performance just was not there. Just every lap losing a little bit more and a little bit more. And, uh, yeah, like you say, fell behind uh, Weber, behind Alonzo, behind Button, and, uh, and you know, there were some shuffles around with pit stops and so on, but yeah, ended up ended up fifth place, uh, which is still um, a good result. Not bad, but considering where it was, and then and then Hamilton, uh, of course, started fifth, um, had a had a reasonable run going, and then uh, did have a collision with Valtteri Bottas, which and was, at the time he had that collision, he was actually running fourth. Yeah, um, but that was that. That's sort of the other um, I think debate, uh, you know, debatable call. So uh, the there was a penalty handed out. So the stewards were quick with this. I don't know if it's because of the last race uh, and they can't you know give someone a penalty for next time or whatever. But all the, the stewards' decisions all seem to happen really pretty quickly at this race, and uh, a lot of those decisions seem to be drive-through penalty. So one of those was for Lewis Hamilton with his yes. collision with Valtteri Bottas. Now, what do you make of that? Having I mean, we just saw the replays. We haven't seen a detailed analysis, but what do you think just from what we did see? Okay, I have a two-part answer. I don't like generally how hard they've been with penalties i think there's been too many times where uh guys are just trying to race and race hard and they get penalized for it for a um, unnecessary collision or or what have you when all collisions are ultimately unnecessary but it's the result of people trying really hard except in demolition derbies where collisions are in fact necessary for the sport exactly right right just to be clear Demolition Derby's excluded. Right. That said, I think it's pretty clear that uh, Botas was already on the outside of the circuit. He was alongside Hamilton when the accident happened. It was a rear wheel to rear wheel collision, and that Hamilton was the one that moved over on Botas, Botas in a uh, less than ideal way. So I think, in the context of the way penalties been dealt out, that this one was completely reasonable. Fair enough. Uh, Hamilton did not agree with yes. that. Um, and no. and it's, it is one of those where that seems like there was a space where Botas could have gone, uh, could have stayed wider um, and, and been okay. So it wasn't, I don't think, right up against the track limits such that there was nothing he could have done. Yeah, and I'm not trying to make that specific so it's, ca- it's, argument. It's one of those, you know, questions of, um, you know, not, uh, you know, was this your fault or his fault, but... Um, but, you know, could it have happened differently? Yes, of course, it could have happened differently. And, and if Botas had said, oh, I'm going to back off, and then gotten all complaining on the radio and going, oh, this is a problem, Hamilton's going crazy, whatever. But um, either way, um, it was, uh, yeah, kind of a, a, you know, dramatic hit there. And uh, and so Hamilton's, uh, it cut his tire down. Uh, Botas' car, you know, spun off and broke his Yeah, rim, I mean, it ended Botas' and it was day. End of his end of his race right there. Yeah. And uh, and then for uh, Hamilton, obviously, didn't you know back what? around. You know what? Even more stark, it ended his season. It did. I did not think about that. It did. Oh, man. See, now now it starts to make more sense. Right. That was a season-ending uh, injury to the car. And, 
Yeah, there, there you fact, have it. That car may never race again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Which reminds me of Jan Magnussen. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It okay. really doesn't. Um, there was another uh, drive drive through penalty, however, that I think is in some ways more clear, but in some ways even more questionable. Yeah, the Charles Peake uh, ignoring blue flags. That was uh, that was pretty serious. That was not the one I had in mind. Oh, right. It was Felipe Massa. Oh, that In one. his final race for Ferrari, he cut across the uh, pit entry line. And the difference between what he did and what every other driver did pretty much every lap was he hugged the inside, crossed the pit entry line, but continued to cross it as it veered and had two lines and you know angular lines connecting them like a little triangle and what do they call it the a b line versus the c d line right. he actually crossed the c d line yeah so there there's a line that sort of shows you uh, on the, uh, but it's part of the track and totally something you can drive on that just sort of indicates here's where the pit entrance is going to be then there's a break in that line it's a solid line then there's, then, there, then it stops and there's probably i don't know six feet or something where it's not there and then there's the actual pit in line and so there's there's nothing physically there there's not a cone there's not a wall right. but the instructions were to treat that as though it's a wall treat that as though it's not part they of something specifically you can drive said over. brick wall actually right. So not even like a foam wall right. where you could be like, oh, maybe I'll crash into it. That'll be fun. Or a soft masonry, perhaps. Yeah, even even then, that that leaves some scratches. That so, that would leave scratches. So it was. I mean, because because watching it, you know, it, it's when you pan across that part of the track really quickly on on the TV pictures. Uh, yeah, it, it looks like okay. There's a line. Everyone's driving over this line. But if you look carefully, there is. There's a line. There's a break in the line. So there's the okay part to cross, and then there's a the part you definitely don't. And I didn't see anyone else crossing that secondary part. You know, the the actual pit entrance, uh, technical pit entrance thing. So, uh, again, Massa didn't really agree with the penalty. He was... Uh, no, as, he was uh, upset. As riled up as we've heard him on the radio in, uh, in recent memory to, uh, what, this is unbelievable, I think unbelievable was his word of choice. And, uh, I don't know, you know, I think I may have I come up with a different word Unacceptable myself, but, is what I heard many yeah. times. But, uh, either way, uh, that was unfortunate, I think, afterwards, uh, you know, I think after looking at the data and all that, I don't think there's much he can do to, uh, uh to, you know, that would you know, make him disagree with the call. He's probably going to go, yeah, that sucks that that happened, but oh well. And, uh, you know, he's not at Ferrari anymore any- anyway, and he's off to uh, off to go be in Williams and do his thing for the off season. So it, not that it, uh, you know, really matters, but that it's disappointing, of course, being the only Brazilian in the field right now and in your farewell race for Ferrari and so on. Um, it is unfortunate to, uh, you know, have that nick your result. Although he wasn't on par for anything amazing either, anyway. He he was he was not. He was on par for something solid though, and that's that's the disappointing part, right? I mean, he had the chance to be top five, potentially, and that that means something. But uh, the one thing that Nico's loss and Hamilton's loss probably helped provide was a nice finish for um, one Jensen Button who finished fourth just outside. He was the first winner of the non-podium finishers. And, uh, first of winner of the non-podium, yeah. Yeah. Technically, uh, yeah. Right? Fair enough. So that's like a win. And, for, you know, for a 2013 McLaren, I guess it kind of is. In Robin's Jensen Button fan world, anyway. And, but the, no kidding, they, he started 14th and was able to move up 10 places, and he even passed people on the track. Yeah. I want that point to be made. These were not pit stop advantages here. And I think partly uh, falls on his usual strong ability to make good strategy calls with tires and things like that. I think uh, that played a role because he was on a harder compound tire when many people were on the mediums, and I think that helped him. 
and he also drove well. And I think the proper hoorah to Mr. Button. Yeah, curiously, in one of the interviews, he said, we, did, we didn't do any testing this weekend. And I think what he means is any 2014 car testing. You know, they'll test different tires, different parts, and things like that. Yeah, okay. Um, so they could really just live in the now for a weekend and just focus on the race for Brazil rather than, oh, let's try these parts for next year's car. Let's try, you know, new stuff for this and that. Uh, so that was maybe an interesting insight into... Um, you know, kind of part of the downward uh, slippery slope or whatever, downward cycle, whatever you want to call it, of uh, when you are behind on pace because you want to do everything you can to catch up, but also at some point you want to look forward. To, you know, partway through the season, you're going to say, okay, maybe 2013, we're not there. Uh, let's really focus on 2014. But every once in a while, if you step back from that and go, eh, no, let's let's live in the now for a second. Let's focus on this race. Yeah. It, it can be impressive how much of a difference that can make if they really can just get the setup that much more dialed in, having not spent you know, 45 minutes testing new parts or whatever in one of these hour-and-a-half practice sessions, if they really can, you know, focus on what's going on and uh, develop those things, then uh, that, that could be worthwhile. So, um, you know, obviously the, uh, you know, the team at McLaren, they, they know how to win races and win championships and so on. It's not like any of this will be news to anyone, but to, uh, you know, to, to take a, look, a close look at that for their 14 strategy and, you know, now that they've got, I think, their personnel pretty well figured out. Obviously, they've got uh, the son of one Jan Magnussen coming into race uh, in the car next year. I don't know if you've heard of that guy or not. Uh, no, I know. I've never heard. interesting facts. I'll have, have been, to look into that. I've been shared I'll about I'll have it. to do some research, and if I find out anything interesting, I'll let you know oh. right here on the podcast. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the, I think the, the whole big, uh, you know, personnel moving around and all that, that's, that's settled down for now, and uh, yeah, we should have a... Uh, you know, hopefully they can. They can. They'll, their 14 strategy will be on point, and we'll see McLaren back at the top. Um, but yeah, so farewell to uh, Massa at Ferrari, and they, of course the broadcasters made a point. Oh, this is Massa's last outing in this car. It's like, well, it's also Alonso's last outing in this car. They're going to have new cars next year. Exactly. Uh, so it's it's a bit funny with some of the, uh, uh, you know, all the, you know, everyone's trying to just, you know say nice sentimental things, I guess, and, and kind of keep that going. And I, I'm sure uh, drivers who don't have signed, uh, signed drives for next year, you know, this could be Heike Kovalainen's last appearance in an F1 car. It's, you know, it could be Guido Vandegaard's last appearance in an F1 car. I mean, of course, they don't have, they're not at Ferrari. That's not as big. You know, they're not at Red Bull. They're not Mark Webber. They don't have the same level of career. Um, but it's, um, you know, this could have been Checo Perez's last performance in an F1 car ever. I mean, we don't know. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's more rumors going around about all these things. And uh, Yes, and one of the rumors with uh, Sergio Perez, and we're not going to get into all the details of this, but I think it's worth mentioning, uh, Force India. Yeah. So it's possible that Force India will have Sergio Perez uh, as driver number two because it is, I, now you, you correct me if this is wrong, confirmed? That not Adrian, confirmed. Okay, nope. likely that Adrian Sutil will actually be uh, one of the Force India drivers, not Paul DiResta. Right. Well, yeah, it's there's there's been rumors talked about one way or another, and uh, so far nothing is officially confirmed by Sahara Force India um, or uh, Sauber for that matter. I mean, they know they've got you know they supposedly have Sergey in the in the car, but you know, yeah, where will Hulkenberg could actually stay at Sauber? Could be um, could be Lotus. That's not even confirmed. You know, there's there's still too many things shaking around, and I'm sure. And Lotus is of course the other the other big team to talk about with an opening. Romain Grosjean is not technically signed up, but you know. Effectively so, I think very it's likely. Very, very likely. Although crazier things have happened. This is true, right? Um, so, I mean, yeah. Sergio Perez was technically signed up for a drive for McLaren twenty fourteen for three years. Yeah, exactly. And 15, yeah, and now he's gone. So anyway, uh, what's funny is Pastor Maldonado, who is 
effect, pretty much out of Williams. I mean, that is I'm more or less yeah, guaranteed, Yeah, that, no, that right? is definitely confirmed because Williams next year is Felipe Massa and Valtteri Bottas. That is confirmed. And I honestly, you, Bottas has done an excellent job. He's been solid, not always faster than Maldonado, but uh, more consistent, less damaging to the car, you could say. Uh, however, And ended the season with more points. Maldonado is not out of the running for that second Lotus seat. So this guy, whom is, oi, uh, I, crashy, is that the word you're going no, for? No, it's not the word. He, but he's definitely... Dynamic? Yes. Let's, let's go with dynamic for now. He, he, he has good results. He can be fast. He's just not consistent. Yeah, definitely not, you know, definitely not consistent. And, and when, he's, when, he's, when he's reliable, he's not terribly fast. When he nudges closer to that edge than other people are normally willing to go, he can be quite good. So, yeah, there you have that. Not sure if that's a how glowing of a uh, of an endorsement that is, but fair enough. Okay, so we all know that Vettel won the championship. That was confirmed a few races ago, and also just crazy how many points and wins he's got. Whatever. Uh, number two in the championship was Fernando Alonso. That's quite. That's quite strong, considering where the Ferrari performance was at and uh, all the things that he went through in terms of qualifying, all that kind of stuff. And more than twice the points of his teammate. Very true. Which is something of an accomplishment. Although Vettel almost has twice the points of Weber. Actually, he's only a few points away, uh, one point away from having twice the points of, uh, of Weber. So, um, yeah, I guess that, that is one measure of a intra-team battle, right? And speaking of teammates, you know, Mark Weber did finish third in the championship. And that is, considering all the luck, uh, well, more specifically, considering all the bad luck he had this year with Multi-21, with cars catching fire, with... Alternator uh, failure. All, yeah, alternator failure, and sometimes just teams... There was one, and maybe this is the alternator failure one. There was one where the team was like, just pull off the road, you're done. Yeah. And it's just like, so it was. He's like, what? Seriously? Yeah. yeah, yeah. seriously. Just, yeah. sorry, stop. It's like, you're, you're, you're too competitive right now. So, uh, Mark Weber, uh, there's, there's a lot of shifting, uh, I would say more than average, of shifting around, and definitely more than average of like, you know, last hurrahs for folks. But Mark Weber's is, at least in my mind, the most significant cause, because I'm very interested to see him drive in the WEC, and I'm very excited for Porsche to be returning. So those two combined, that's going to be definitely fun to watch. And I think he had he had 2010 to really establish himself as a co-number one with Vettel, and it didn't quite work out. And from 11 on, it's just been tough. Right. And uh, so he's a guy I really feel for. And he's actually older than me, so I appreciate that. Um, fourth in the championship, Lewis Hamilton. This is his big move to Mercedes. It was a big deal, and it came with a couple of race wins, and it came with some pole positions, and it came with fourth in championship. That's quite solid. Fifth in the championship? Wasn't even racing last couple of events. Yeah. Had to go get back surgery, man. Our boy Kimi Raikkonen and uh, his Lotus uh, replacement and Heike Kovalainen uh, was not able to score any points. You know, that, that would have been cool for him to uh, – for for Hecky to be able to get on the board and potentially you know out outperform all the other guys at the bottom of the grid, 
um, who have no points. I mean, there were four other drivers with no points, both Marusha drivers and both Caterham drivers. Right. And, uh, you know, if he'd had one reasonable result, he could have been, you know, up ahead of, you know, ahead of a Sauber or something in the uh, in the driver's championship, having only t- partaken in two races. So could have been cool. Uh, didn't end up, uh, you know, not certainly a, a, a solid replacement drive. Um, but, you know, it, it could have been more spectacular, but, uh, you know, it was, it was solid. But, yeah, so Kimi um, coming fifth and, you know, I'm sure he's fine with that. But that was able, that was what allowed, uh, uh, you know, Hamilton to, to take over that fourth spot. And uh, so, you know, that's for Mercedes to end the, uh, the Constructors' Championship in second place. I mean, that's the big story in the Constructors is, okay, Red Bull obviously um, just dominated this year, but uh, Mercedes did beat Ferrari uh, by only six points, but uh, that's a big deal because obviously Ferrari is a big deal, and, uh, you know, beating them um, is uh, must must be, you know, some amount of consolation. Okay, yes, Red Bull beat the hell out of both of them. But, right. Um, but to uh, to be able to sort of be, be in there, and then, of course, Lotus uh, was really challenging for second place for a while there, uh, did fall down to a to, to a slightly distant fourth. Um, but, I mean, slightly, I would emphasize that part. I mean, it was a solid, solid effort for them, considering where they are as a team compared to where the others are as a team, Red Bull's money, Mercedes' money, and uh, Ferrari, obviously, their money. And let's not forget who they were ahead of by a long, long margin, which is McLaren. Yeah. So if things keep going well for Lotus and McLaren gets back on its feet and the other guys stay competitive, that's five strong teams to look at. That has lots of potential. Right. And, yeah, so we're, we're all very hopeful about uh, the way things are going to move forward. You know, I hope to see McLaren doing well again. Um, I hope that, you know, this bank transfer for Lotus eventually happens. I mean, that's been yet another week since we talked at the USGP yeah. of, uh, of okay, no, this deal with Quantum and we're getting money and seriously, the check's in the mail. No, seriously, it's still <laughs> happening. But as this kind of story drags on this far, you really have to wonder what what the real story is. I mean, it, I don't, you know, I can imagine, okay, yes, it's it's not just simply pressing some buttons to move some, you know, giant sums of money, but it seems like at this point, another week into the whole thing, like if you really, you know, the, if the team and the backers and the finance and whatever was really there, um, and every and there went the only thing stopping it was some money being moved around. It seems like it would be sorted out by now, and it's not. So that does cast some doubt over um, what's going to happen. Uh, you know, not with Lotus as a team that they're going to disband or anything, but that, um, you know, what are they going to? What, what are the options going to be? Because drivers want to get figured out as soon as they possibly can. You know, sign contracts, get deals, and and you know, get things figured out, and, you know, Lotus just are so, oh, we don't know if we have any money. I mean, we think we do. We we totally do, but it's not here, but seriously, <laughs> trust me. And, you know, that's yeah. that's a very big question mark on the grid because, as you say, uh, you know, they're fourth in the championship for constructors this year, but, uh, you know, don't show any signs of, uh, you know, of of slowing down with, uh, with you know, Renault Power again and so on. So, yeah, it should be uh, – hopefully that comes together for them, by the way, and, uh, and it should be good. And then also, uh, as a, I guess, slightly less important uh, – finale was uh this is you know vodafone's last race with mclaren that was uh kind of a big deal because they we don't actually know who their title sponsor is going to be for next year there's been some different rumors and uh and in in various things but uh you know it could be some some other new giant brand that you know they've had uh, uh a couple of different things come and go over the years with the different drivers and so on but i know uh, who i want it to be yeah. and i think yeah i think uh kevin magnuson would be the perfect representative for it who's that telmex <laughs> yeah that's what they need <laughs> um and one other thing that i think is worth talking about for a moment is the fact that uh, while driving on the warm down lap mark weber said f this bloody helmet mate don't need it on my head 
took his hat off and took his helmet off, drove around the track, waved the people showing his face, which I thought was a very adult, cool move. And it's interesting. I'm curious your opinions on the look on his face. To me, some people I think thought maybe emotional. To me, it just looked very deep and serious and uh, stoic, but not necessarily teary. Yeah, uh, I mean, also keeping in mind that he's, you know, he is driving a car. It looks very slow for F1 standards, but he is driving a car with nothing in front of him, and there's, you know, like rain in the air as well. So at some level, it's a combination of stoic and like, eh, there's also like 60-mile-an-hour wind in my face right yeah, now. Right, exactly. So, to, you know, to bear in mind, this is not, you know, yeah, a parade lap in an F1 car is still not the uh, the slowest of all possible laps. Um, oh, but, and I, t- t- <laughs> tantrum number one for Robin Warner. Uh I just looked up the definition of stoic. Hmm. I'm just curious, like, what did I just say exactly? Um, oh, now you decide to start looking up the well, words that you yeah, say. You know, sometimes... I'm still looking for what a warm-down lap is, but go ahead. Sometimes things can be a bit uh, serendipitous. Yes, word. yes. I actually know the all, meaning of that one. But we all know the meaning we're, of that one. Okay, well, I'm going off a tangent on my tangent now. No, so the, the, the definition of stoic is a person who can endure pain or hardship without showing their feelings or complaining. So that actually is kind of representative one. But here's here's another one. A member of the ancient ancient geez, philosophical school of Stoism. I don't know anything about Stoism. I'm very curious. I think we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> Great. Well, I mean... Right, Did well, you know about Stoism? Is no, that like, but that's, duh, it's Stoism. one of those words that just, you know, it, it was originally used to describe, you know, someone that's probably like what the Stoic school of thought was like, oh, this is how you need to be. And then it just became so uh, connected with the particular people that then the, that took over. That's like vandalism, man. You know, the vandals were like a particular tribe that just used to always just jack stuff up all the time. So now that word just happens to mean them. Stoism is a school okay. of Hellenistic philosophy founded in Athens by Zeno of Citium in the early 3rd century BCE. Can't we, like, write a poem about Jan Magnuson now or something? I mean, this is – you're into you're – into, we've, we've gone to the wish for a poem stage, This is This is uh, quite – okay. So Mark Webber has a face, and oh, he yeah. showed that face to people. He did. Yeah, no, I thought that was cool. Uh, and, you know, I guess the other thing is – Showing his deep stoism faith. <laughs> of course. Uh, being the stoic monk that he is. And uh, – and yeah, I mean, you know, what I guess the the uh, World Endurance Championship that he's going into is still an FIA thing. So I guess if they really wanted to penalize him for a safety infraction, they maybe could find a way. But probably on the way out, they're like, you know what, dude, Mark Webber, don't do that again. But you're okay. Yeah, and that one, if if he got a penalty for that, I think a lot of people would really throw their hands up and say, really? Yeah, if they're gonna put oh post race twenty seconds as though it were a drive through because unsafe, blah. It's like all right, yeah, yeah. And by the way, twenty second penalty in endurance racing. Not as big of a deal, actually. Yeah, although endurance racing is not as far, you know, we don't we don't see the kind of victory, the kind of margins that we used to. Uh, you know, WEC really has become, uh, you know, a, a multi-hour sprint races more so than uh, what, well, what it used I, to be. It, it, that that gets into a larger con- uh, discussion about how far cars have come, and specifically race cars have come, in just terms of them working and being reliable machines. So. The whole point of race cars in the 70s, the 80s, it's like, oh, they're pushing everything to the absolute limit. So the part, there's no factor of safety. So the part is absolutely as light as possible. And as weak as possible to still be strong enough to do what it needs to do. To hopefully make it through the distance. Right. And, you know, the best race car is the one that falls apart immediately after the check and checkered flag 
flies, that kind of stuff. That's not true anymore. With um, if if cars were really still to that place where they push the absolute limit, they'd be so freaking fast that the human body wouldn't be able to deal with it without g suits and stuff like that. I mean, it the race cars would be way too capable basically so that's why we have these huge stacks of rules to say okay the cars can be as fast as possible within this within this rule set and it's become quite easy for the fundamentals to just last that way so now it's it's ironic because the cars are much more similar to each other so the racing's a lot closer and it is much more about what the driver can get out of it and less about what the machine itself is worth is is capable of doing. Although clearly, Formula One is an excellent example that it's definitely still there. Right. It's not, but it's no longer. You know, margins of victory used to be in minutes for a Grand Prix. Right. And it's never that. Yeah, or in the you know the uh, the retirement rate. You know, yeah, you'd say okay, yeah, we had you know some of the grids were, were kind of crazy. Oh yeah, forty cars started and like seven finished. And sure, so, you know, of course, like, absolutely. And then and you'd also get yeah, yeah, okay, well this car failed, so you know the you know the main driver hopped out of that car and got into his buddy's car and then he finished the ra- you know just like weird stuff. It's all all different times, but um, I would say that uh, the race cars today are much more stoic. I, I just you know I saw that coming like a. Half a mile off, and then there you went for it. <laughs> so people are making a big deal about Mark Webber. Of course, yes, his Formula One career has come to an end. But I don't think seeing him in sports cars is going to be barely any less exciting than seeing you know seeing him in, in Grand Prix racing. I mean, that's part of the point, I guess, is uh, you know sports car racing uh, really has come into its own. Um, I mean, it's been around since forever, of course. You know, but it, it, we are uh, in, a, in a very cool period of that right now, and to have another major manufacturer at the top prototype level for the Le Mans, you know, Le Mans race itself, but then, you know, then the rest of the Endurance Championship Series, which is a new series and all that, like, this is not like, oh, wow, farewell, this is, it's not like, you know, Rubens Barrichello, where it's kind of like, and you're pretty much done here, dude, it was right, like, right. this is like, no, dude, he, he's going to the, uh, you know, another top, you know, the top level of another category, and probably going to do well there and with, with cool backing and whatever. So, of course, we don't know exactly uh, how the Porsche is going to go against uh, Audis and Toyotas and whatnot, but it's like this is not a sad sign-off. This is like, okay, this is the end of that chapter. Let's, I, I'm definitely looking forward to the next chapter. Absolutely. So many people are, and, uh, and that's, that's really you know, what's part of what's cool about it. I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more, and I think, honestly, when the decision first came out that this was going to be his last season he's going to Porsche – I was like, brilliant move, Mark. You made the best possible decision. You're going from one top-tier series to another top-tier series that's different, not really, really not reduced. And you're going to a manufacturer with tons of legacy, especially in endurance racing. You're going to be a top, you know, star driver there. I mean, it's just... And by legacy, thought, you mean dollars as well. Or well, Euros. of course. <laughs> well, and here's the super fascinating about, thing about uh, World Endurance Championship racing. Um, Porsche, Porsche's biggest battle, at least that we can see for now, will come from Audi. Right. That's in-house fighting. That's two siblings going after each other because both teams, of course, are owned by the Volkswagen Group. Right. And Porsche much more recently so than Audi. But still, they are bound and determined to prove to the world that they are not in cahoots with each other in the background, that that is a completely separate effort, and they've convinced me. So seriously, if Porsche starts doing better than Audi, there's going to be some corporate headbanging that's going on. So that's what's 
uh, it's another layer of fascination. I'm imagining like Wayne's World style corporate headbanging, like a bunch of Audi execs, like <laughs> rocking out headbanging. <laughs> Which is um, why Porsche might right. actually do well. And then I guess maybe possibly the last thing on uh, Weber's uh, exit as well is that he, I think, is is uh, exiting at a good time. He's you know on the, the performance has fallen off from from where he you know he wasn't in the run for the for the you know winning championship or anything like that. True. But in his final race, he stood on the podium. This is not like he fizzled out, and I don't—I guess—mean to like you know harp on on Rubens Barrichello here, but um, you know I feel like like Massa and Williams next year. It's like how is that gonna go for you? You know, and Massa right. of course you know younger and whatever, but still right. like to sort of to have to to sort of you know put a cap on the F1 career at a reasonable point and say okay it's it's had its ups, it's had its downs, but to stand on the podium, um, you know, still come in a solid uh, championship spot and then switch categories rather than another year or two in F1 and then really start languishing or, oh, no, he's driving for a catering or I whatever, mean, you know. To... Exactly to your point, if Barrichello had bowed out of Formula One the year of Braun GP, yeah. that would have been the brilliant right. same thing. He would have been that much closer to the top of his game and this marketing and everything else around right. it. Could exactly. have been, you know, could have gone differently, so... Either way, um, you know, Rubens is a cool guy, though, too. I don't, I'm not trying to dump on Rubens very color here. But um, very, you know, excited. Yes, okay, that, that chapter for Weber has closed. And I think we're also looking forward to seeing Daniel Ricciardo in the car next year and seeing how that works and, you know, another a new kid against Vettel and showing speed and how that's all going to work. But And one um, thing, it's funny, since you mentioned that, I, I find it uh, ironic that it's a new it's a new teammate for Spence from Vettel. It's a new... Uh, person to work with a much younger person you know Vettel is now the senior member of the driving lineup but it's not a new nationality it's still German Germany and Australia being represented within Red Bull when I I just I think that I think that's fun I'm glad you do yeah it's just like Hucky Kovalainen coming in replacing you know it's not finished countrymen it's not quite as uh, stoic as I was hoping for yeah but minorly stoic Minorly stoic. Fair <laughs> enough. So um, the so I'm so glad I looked that up. Okay, well, one of these days we'll have to get you to look up irony, so you can stop calling things like that ironic. But you know, maybe that's a conversation for Ooh, another day. That's ironic that you brought that. No, up. it's not. Um, <laughs> so uh, the whole thing with it today was was this, was, this, was this, will it will it rain? Will it not rain? You know, is it it's kind of raining, but is it raining enough? I was waiting for you to say, will it drift? And the answer is yes in some games. Well, and dude, did you watch, I don't know, Friday practice? There were some pretty pretty epic drifts from, uh, I remember Rosberg drift in particular, and I think, you know, uh, there was definitely more slip angle on an F1 car than we've seen. Because this, this was the first time we saw the wet tires all season, which I hadn't remembered that, but it's kind of crazy. This was the driest season since, what, 1986 or whatever it was? Yeah, 86, 84, 87, somewhere in there. And uh, so, yeah, this was the only time we've seen any, any wet running. And uh, so, you know, I guess... Uh, you know, Pirelli, this, the, the, you know, the tires, they didn't, and it didn't happen for the race, but that was part of the, the question was, do you go for a dry setup? Do you go for a wet setup? And, you know, trying to, you know, plan your pit stops as best you possibly can and predict the weather. But there was, it was right on the cusp. We never did see an intermediate tire or obviously a full wet either uh, in the race. Uh, that was just in, in, you know, practice and qualifying. We of course had Q3 was delayed for a while with, uh, with, you know, because it got too heavy of a rain, but uh, the timing on that seemed to work out okay. And with the potential for all the mixed up qualifying it didn't actually end up being that dramatic i mean no. there weren't any real big surprises it was the same hickey kovalainen for example didn't make it through q3 but eh. Eh, you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no uh yeah it would have been you know it would have been interesting if somehow yeah the timing were screwy or the tires are you cra- i mean we had you know checo perez had a big incident um but it wasn't ultimately didn't really change where he you know where he would have lined up but um 
you know, if, if Vettel had, had to start 15th or something, you know, that would have been cool. Or if, uh, yeah, you know, if just, I, I don't know, you know, had someone else, um, you know, a, a, a cater him through to Q3 and then yeah, the potential for something amazing. Like, you know, it could have sort of become a little bit cooler than it was. But, uh, yeah, it never did quite get wet enough. Um, but, you know, good job to the drivers to hang on in the, you know, slightly wet conditions, the damp conditions or whatever, where it can be uh, oh, yeah. I mean, unexpectedly slippy. And, th- and that actually, in many ways, can be the toughest when you have slick tires that are getting quite hot and you have the track staying cool because there's rain dropping on, there's rain dropping on the tires itself. Ultimately, the water is evaporating and it is largely dry asphalt, but it, it, it's touch and go. And the slip, uh, the, the grip you have can change fairly dramatically quite quickly. Yes. So they dealt with that, and the reason why they could continue to go as fast as they could and deal with that is because they're extremely ballsy and because they're quite talented. And it's, it's, so it, is, it was one of those nice general, hey, Formula One's great. These drivers are great. It was a nice reminder of that. And it, for it to be the season finale was a good thing. Right. And that's, you know, part of the fun of Brazil. It's this shorter track. So, you know, traffic is a bit more of a factor, whatever. But, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, obviously the fans get super into it. And that's that's really cool. And even today with the, you know, the crappy rainy conditions, you know, the Brazilian fans were out in force and that was cool. I like that it's back to back with the U.S. because now we were in the similar kind of, you know, the season's kind of winding down. But uh, all the battles, you know, in this case, the championships have been decided, but there's still all these other battles and seeing where everything lines up. So it is kind of a fun wind down. And then now, of course, we're getting into kind of the holiday season and whatever. So it's kind of a, a, a good cap to the season. Uh, apparently, though, for next year, Abu Dhabi will be the finale. Um, they are reshuffling a couple of things, mm. um, which, of course, it was in, famously in 2010. Right. Um, where we'll probably have this uh, sort of American stint and then it'll go back to Abu Dhabi. And then partly, though, to have a uh, driver test right after that, and that's part of the new testing regulations and stuff is they want to do some additional driver testing and whatever. So um, anyway, that, that you know, it won't be quite the same next year, but uh, who knows? Maybe there'll be a championship clinched here, and, you know, maybe it won't even be Vettel, but who knows, right? Um, in slightly related news uh, for 2014, the uh, calendar has not officially been released now, but it is looking um, less and less likely as the days go by that we will have a race in New Jersey next uh. year. That uh, Also, Mexico has fallen off the calendar, and India, which was expected. Um, India was expected, yes. And, then, and uh, what about Korea? I think that's off as well. I think we went from... Because uh, it, they're going to Russia next year. Right. Um, so this it is... Uh, Disappointing, but not entirely unexpected. The way the New Jersey thing has come, you know, uh, has 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 happened, uh, and it seems like okay, delayed once, yeah, okay, maybe then they'll have it the following year, then delayed again, and then not. it just seems like uh, okay, less likely that you know what's going to change in the course of 2014 that's going to really, uh, you know, really turn things around. If it hasn't worked for scheduling reasons and for political reasons and money reasons so far, then uh, you know we're sort of it's it's getting harder to be hopeful about. Uh, what's going to change about it. So hopefully something cool can happen. I mean, if there, obviously work has been done at the uh, Port Imperial Street Circuit in New Jersey. That's true. And, uh, you know, maybe that can, you know, become a, a different race for either IndyCar or something else, but who knows. Um, but that is a bit, you know, certainly disappointing for us to uh, to see that fall away. And then the Mexico thing, I was 
surprised that that was even on the calendar, you know, just from the way that circuit is and, and what it takes in the logistics. Um, you know, it's one thing with, uh, you know, the, all the, the power and money behind an American setup, but then the power and money behind the Mexican setup and everything that would have taken to get that track to F1 standards and the logistics of being right in the super congested city center and everything uh, was just uh, be a, a very big surprise compared to all the other emerging markets that there are in the world. And, you know, the fact that even India, as important as it is as a uh, economic powerhouse, even their race is jacked up. And Korea, the same thing, and that their race is, uh, is in jeopardy and, and needs to be redone. It's like, out of all those things to to that to think that the uh you know Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez in Mexico City would be somehow worth you know worth doing on the calendar um would was a bit surprising so yeah. that's that's fallen off as well um so we are getting back to a little bit more of a sane uh race schedule we probably won't have a one week turnaround from Monaco to New Jersey because we will just go ahead and skip that and go right to Canada as we've done in the past right and uh i'm feeling a bit stoic and in that mood i feel a strong need to hear other people's voices. All right, with yet another race that we can watch live and tweet along with live, we had all kinds of fun user feedback and interaction on Twitter. Um, just, yeah, hash FWCars has been blown up, man. You can scroll down and, you know, you get several pages worth just from uh, just from today's racing. So, um Thank you, as always, to uh, some of the usual suspects and some folks we haven't seen for a while. Tim Meekins, a uh, longtime fan, but I uh, haven't heard from him in a little while. Uh, Andy Barnes, Ryan Higgins, Bernard A., Geek Girl F1, uh, just Lori Jordan, just all, all the regulars uh, hanging out, tweeting along. Ben Azuma was there. Sean H. watching in uh, Colombia, of all places. Um, so thank you, folks, for taking part. It was, it's, always, it's always fun uh, as we're you know, get the laptop going. We've got live timing happening. We've got, you know, obviously the live race coverage and then uh, to have, you know, the Twitter happening as well. And just, it's, it's like watching the race, just like one big race watching party with all you guys. Oh yeah. It was a lot of fun. Always adds to it. And uh, I, I got to, I got to tweet as well. And I think successfully even. So that was cool. And in addition to that, we got a comment on our last uh, podcast about the United States Grand Prix, whom from someone named uh, Ab, Abai, I think it is a buy, whom uh, tends to think that Austin Barbecue is quite good. I found that fascinating. Loved the podcast. Teen Pregnancy, Jim's Breakdown of Special Teams, Kettery, arguably the best barbecue. I didn't hear any argument. Succinct to the point, Abi or Abai. I'm by. Sorry. It's hard to pronounce. I just, I don't, I don't speak foreign good. Yeah. Um, Okay. <laughs> Not actually a foreign comment. Thanks, Abby, for the, uh, for the comment and uh, for keeping track, keeping us honest with any reference to Austin and making sure that its image is not tarnished in any way. So as, uh, as, as representative of, uh, of, of Austin, she's doing well, making sure that the, you know, the barbecue ch- you know, crown doesn't go anywhere else. And now I want barbecue. Dang it. <laughs> Fish and chips smothered in barbecue. Brazil. It's all there. I mean, maybe. That's actually, you know, <laughs> that, you know, weirder things have happened. Weirder things have happened. And, you know, we don't, we don't need to go weirder than what we just had. That sounds like the perfect amount of weird. That, <laughs> and there's a name for today's show, the perfect amount of weird. Uh, also on Facebook, we haven't had as many uh, live, live things happening on Facebook because, I don't know, I, I go on Twitter when, when things go live and you get, you know, you also then just follow me to Twitter land. 
So uh, we did have a... I just uh, like knowing what the kids are up to. Yeah, well, um, you know, Craig the Kilt um, has uh, made an appearance there. Jaffa Graves, Paul Peard. Uh, Bernard A. is splitting his time between uh, Twitter and Facebook. And, uh, oh, t- he's a trooper. Good for him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we had uh, Neil Popham, the... the uh, Ever wonderful prediction stud posting a picture of Martin Brundle with a fairly ridiculous looking mustache, as uh, most you know, a lot of folks in yeah, the grid. Yeah, that was up there with ridiculous because Will Buxton, our pit reporter for NBC coverage, mm-hmm. not that far below in terms of the ridiculousness. However, Martin Brundle did beat him, Dude, no doubt. I mean, because there's there's, just, there's it becomes a point. So a lot of these guys are you know growing out mustaches for Movember and, and raising awareness Movember. and all that, Movember. which is always cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, as um, you know, as I guess a, a follower of, uh, of, of facial hair trends or something, or, or perhaps leader of facial hair trends, I don't know. I don't think anyone's <laughs> trying to emulate my style. But either way, um, have the uh, yeah the, the the winter look going right now. Some um, comments on Facebook about our last podcast, and I would just love to read them. And two of them came from our uh, good friend Craig. Um, I'm amazed and surprised that Robin wasn't way over the top about his best friend Perez getting the sack. Well done. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wish him well and all that kind of stuff. And I probably was more pro-Joe Jensen Button than most. But, uh, you know, I, I wish Press the best. And, uh, you know, things positive. To or to say. put the, in the immortal words of, uh, of Nelson from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Craig went on to say, dirty boy. And I'm, I believe that was directed at me, although I have no idea why. And uh, Bernard A. Uh, also commented saying yeah you can be a granddad at 40 i seem to fancy fancy a few grandmas in their 40s well put <laughs> hey i i can't argue as an old man myself i have to say i cannot argue right so uh the other day so Stuart mitchell this is uh, going back a little while you can't beat 7 p.m grand prix starts kids will be in bed a bit early i know but bribery works beers chilled sky hd surround sound let's go and i think that was that was part of what i thought found interesting uh, for these last few races, I guess the folks in Australia get boned because then, you know, this race is, uh, what, like the middle of, like, Monday during the workday or something for them. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> it's not quite that, but, yeah, it's I mean, not it's, great. Well, so it's, it's, so it's middle of the night. But other than that, for, for the uh, audiences in the Americas, it's great because we don't have to get up wicked early. We have the race midday, which is what most of Europe has for the rest of the season. Um, but for folks in England and, and, and the rest of Europe, uh, you get this nice like prime time evening kind of thing, and and I think there is something nice about that. You kind of you do whatever you want to do on your Sunday. You have your 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 day. You go you out. Have, and, you have a lovely Sunday. Yeah, a lovely Sunday, and then uh, you sort of settle in to watch the race coverage and whatever. And that's that's just super cool. I mean, the only races we can do. Um, we don't get any prime time. The only ones that uh, that we can do as, as the evening would be to stay up late on Saturday to watch uh, Japan and uh, sometimes which we have done. What you but not because Singapore being a night race kind of comes back to normal timing. But oh, China um, and then China and then what was the other one? You you were up wicked late for um, Malaysia. Was it Malaysia? Yeah. Um, but that's like no wait that no no that was too early in the season for that. No, but it was. So, Korea. Uh, Korea. Yeah, it's like three or four in the morning. So it's like, you know, it gets a little gets a little hairy around that. That's I that's mean, not just to stay up and watch it at you know, seven in the evening. Korean sits just below you know, the eastern far eastern China. Right. So that gives you a nice time time zone idea. Right. Although not all the races start exactly the same time, so sometimes it gets a little uh, confusing. But yeah, either way Formula One, what's up with that? Yeah, Formula One. Jeez. Uh and then also, I guess now there's talk of Melbourne being moved to a later time slot to be another prime time kind of race for them, which would move it all. I don't know. But either way, I think these these races, the, like these, uh, like Canada, uh, the U.S. and Brazil, um, are on lovely time zones for most interested parties. Um, and I'm um, sorry to the folks in Oz who uh, have to stay up wicked late and or get up wicked early. But Enjoy a meat pie on us. We're just not going to pay for it. 
<laughs> just think about us as you eat your meat pie. Yes. Okay. A little Vegemite on there. It's all good. It's always all good. Come on. All right. Um, I'm pie. a little bit meat. dreading this section, thinking about how many Cokes I'm going to have to purchase know, for I'm, you. I'm okay. But I'm okay. I guess we can move on to predictions. Is, is he stoic? I think Jim's stoic. All right, Robin, you can go and do some donuts in the uh, which, industry which now. finger? Wait, is it this finger? You get, you get your Wait. one finger, whatever finger you like. Obviously, and... it's obvious that it's obviously uh, the team, obviously. Ah, one so, finger. All right, so predictions 2013, my friend. You are victorious. Yay! Wow, it, what a sweet sound listen, that was. It, listen, it, it was a lot of hard work. I I had to make a lot of bold decisions, especially later on in the season. You got to lucky, stay you just never got posed. And to just be willing to show your brilliance to everyone and, and go public with that, not 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 hide it under a cloak, but to just say, Yes, I am the smartest man in the world ever when it comes to predicting Formula One. I I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be too humble. I know. I'm great. And I, I apologize. Sorry, I tuned out there. Are you, you still going? Are you, you... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had, a, I had a great start to the season. And then predicting became a little more predictable. And, you know, I ran with it. What can I say? I will enjoy Cokes. I will enjoy 113 minus 47 Cokes. Which is, ding, 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 I think 67 Cokes. I don't, That's my quick mental math. Okay. So, um, so well done, my friend. You have 47 points over the course of the year. So over, for, for all the 19 races that we had, um, you were, your difference in be- between predicting the pole position, uh, you know, who's on pole and who's on the race, o- overall total delta of 47, which is really quite well, quite well done. Ah, 66 Cokes. Nice. I'm trying to get a little overzealous here. Nice. Um, but I, I also, so I want to give a, uh, a big shout out to the, uh, the, the other top finishers. So Chris Stark in number two, 51 points. Well done. Scott Christie. Very well done. Ryan Higgins, Fraser McDonald, Mark Mappy Page, and Ivan Ling. Tied for sixth spot with 76 points. So we did, even even down to the end here, we've got a couple ties. In eighth place, Scott Hardwick. Ninth, Kevin Graham. And tied for ninth, rounding out the uh, top-ish people, Sean Scanlon. With just 80 points, quite well. Right. And uh, way farther down the list, um, behind uh, several other uh, notable folks, we've got Damien, the prediction model, who is a spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Well, it is. I just like how you say, who is a spreadsheet? That is a person that is a spreadsheet, more so than a person. Um, and, yeah, 109 points. So um, that's... And who is, who is just behind that person? Uh, me, the uh, next best place you human. You could have beat. You could have beat Damien. But fool, fool, I tell you. You said, no, 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 Lewis Hamilton's going to win the Brazilian Grand Prix. And I'm like, no. No, he won't, though. How could I have beat Damien? Damien went Vettel Vettel. I couldn't have done any better than that. I know, but you wouldn't have lost points. Well, but I but I had to gamble though, because what if Vettel's pit stop had gone crazy wrong, even more so than it did, and he wasn't anywhere? Then you know, but maybe. Right. So, the maybe. so I so yes. so for this race, okay, yeah, obviously I went to Hamilton because going Vettel Vettel, I wasn't going to move forward any because everyone else was going Vettel Vettel. So I figured, okay, in the off chance something weird happens, I guess maybe you know I should have gone Weber if you know who knows, right? Well, you know, either way, I didn't win. You did, and I did worse than a spreadsheet. So I, as a human being, <laughs> am not as good 
as a spreadsheet <laughs> that has now been confirmed. It has been confirmed. But it's okay because, I mean, let's face it, it is a good spreadsheet. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. So it's not like you beat the worst spreadsheet. You're still, you're still better than a lot of spreadsheets, I would, I would say. <laughs> Better than some spreadsheets. Well, okay, but there's one particular spreadsheet which is, in fact, better than me. Um, but thank you very, very much for everyone who's playing. Um, that's uh, it's been super fun throughout the year to oh, uh, to t- maintain it's a blast. that. And uh, I think so. We we're gonna have to decide. Um, is it time to predict for Australia 2014? <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh! Um, or we can do that in the preseason. I, mean, I would say I'm gonna say no. Okay. I'm gonna go ahead and say no. Here's here's what's fun about 2014. Here's why everyone listening and everyone else in the entire world should be excited about 2014. It will be different. The cars will be different. The engines will be different. Yes, some of the drivers will be different. The schedule is going to be different. It is not going to be. Same old, same old. It is not evolution next year. It is indeed revolution. And There's a revolution happening? It's going to be quite exciting to watch. So I think in that vein, it's fair to let a little preseason testing happen before we make any Australian 2014 predictions. However, we should predict the 2014 Drivers' World Champion. Okay. Sebastian <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it could be all very different, and it, it could, could be, be all of a sudden, different. you know, Massa is like, you know, and the Williams is amazing, and Massa is like, oh, man, I'm actually really good, and I was just messing around for a while, and, you know, whatever. <laughs> or it could be, yeah, who knows, right? I mean, if, if Ricardo then is, like, way better than Vettel, or it could be that Sebastian Vettel slash Adrian Newey slash Red Bull slash Christian Horner is just dominant and able to uh, make things happen in ways that others aren't. Um, I am going to make a more stoic guess. Would you quit with the stoic? No, right? I so, won't. Okay, what, I will keep going. You think Alonso or Raikkonen? What are you going? I think Fernando Alonso. Yeah. I think that his time at Ferrari, I think he has paid his dues for his sheer evilness and has once again become a, a decent guy. I mean, he called Felipe Massa a human being He said like all. a person. Like a person. Felipe Massa is like a person. Like a person. Complimenting Massa for the very first time. Anyway, the point is, I'm going to give it to Fernando Alonso right now in this totally meaningless guess for the 2014 Drivers World Champion. Are you so? Wait, are you willing to bet your 66 cokes on your Alonso prediction? Are you going? You going double or nothing? God, I should just for my own health. Yeah, really. <laughs> but no. Okay. But no. All I'm right. Gonna well, drink all we'll, we'll have plenty of time in the off season to uh, to to refine these things. But thank you, as always, to Neil Popham, the uh, the, the prediction stud for absolutely. Um, Continuing to develop and improve the predictions app on Facebook throughout the course of the season. It made our lives much easier. Right. Made it way more involving for folks. It was great. And it did end up, actually, there was only one mid-season driver change, and that was Kovalainen and Fort Reikkonen for the last two races. But, you know, some years we've got a lot of, you know, people coming in, you know, going back again and substitutions for different races, and we've had crazier years. But even so, um, when anyone went to, if they wanted to predict Kovalainen for a win or whatever, they could have done so because Neil was right there with the updates as soon as that was announced. He was right there getting everything uh, dialed in. So uh, we always appreciate your effort, Neil, and uh, look forward to, uh, you know, keeping things, everything moving forward and having even more people take part next year. The and, true uh, prediction stud. That's, I mean, couldn't have said it better myself. I think you could have said it as well. I don't know about that. I mean, a, sp- a spreadsheet could have done better. Maybe, I think we've, maybe, we've maybe the best possible spreadsheet. That's possible. All right. So, uh, partly for F1 coverage and partly for the other coverage that we're putting out on FunWithCars.com, please do visit our site every once in a while 
And make sure to follow us on Facebook and or Twitter and wherever you like to uh, get your news, if it's RSS feed, whatever you do, um, because we will have postseason coverage and preseason coverage for next year. Absolutely. But also we're doing some more blog posts about uh, the other interesting things that we do, having fun with cars. So uh, the name may start to make a little bit more sense as we uh, expand what we what we offer and what we put on the site. Uh, we're looking to do some more fun videos and uh, and all kinds of different things. So uh, definitely just the, the season is over, but our season uh, is, is it never it never ends. Uh, we always keep moving forward and uh, posting new cool things and coming up with other fun things to do. So uh, please do keep in touch with us. Visit funwithcars.com. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, whatever, uh, feel free to send an email to feedback at funwithcars.com. Or you can leave a comment uh, for us at any of the other platforms that we mentioned. So uh, I want to thank you, as always, for uh, sticking with us this season. And, uh, and especially those of you still listening, that now that you know the Vettel championships have happened and a lot of people have tuned out, <laughs> thank you to you guys who are still <laughs> hanging with us and uh, enjoying what there is to, uh, what there is the to talk Vettel about. The Vettel championships. I mean, you know. So who are you? I am Jim Lau. And everything Jim said, you guys are awesome. I'm Robin Warner. Happy championship. Happy championship.